0: What's up, everybody? This is Bobby Moynihan. I play Orca on Star Wars Resistance, and you're listening to Radio Dakar.
1: Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to Resistance, The Mandalorian, and more. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and this is the season two review for The Mandalorian. We've completed the season after our long wait from season one and plenty to talk about to wrap everything up. And to do that, I've got a very special guest with me. Uh, If you are an online Star Wars fan, you should know her. Uh, she is a blogger, podcaster, cosplayer, just all around awesome person. Uh, please welcome Katrina Dennis.
0: Hello there! Thank you Hello. so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. I have been looking forward to this.
0: Yay! Yes, I'm. I, I'm very excited. Anytime anyone asks me to talk about the uh, the Mandalorian, so yeah, pretty ecstatic to be. Here, doing that.
1: Well, I have to say, I I have been looking forward to this because I, I don't know if you know this, but you were my first influence for uh, doing a Star Wars podcast.
0: Oh my gosh, really? That's amazing. Yeah.
1: It was, uh, what, four or five years ago when you did uh, Moss Eisley Comic Cantina?
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that, that was
1: show. I did too. That was the first Star Wars podcast I ever listened to.
0: Oh, my goodness. That little thing. Thank you so much for listening to that.
1: (laughs) And you're welcome. I don't know if you remember, but I actually wrote you an email and you read it on one of your episodes where I talked about when I got a bootleg copy of Return of the Jedi for my birthday as a kid.
0: I do remember that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was me. That's awesome. Aw. And we've been friends ever since. Yes. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. i I've You know, you and I go uh, way back with, like, Star Wars Rep Matters and all of the work done there. And, yeah, I'm just so happy to be talking about Star Wars with you because it's, like, you know, something I enjoy as it is.
1: I do, too. And we've got so much to talk about because Mando Season 2 is off the hook. My
0: Um, goodness.
1: Yes, it was. Yes. Uh, Well, let's just start – what were your overall impressions of season two in comparison to season one?
0: Uh, it was definitely, you know, I mean, it's it's the same show, same tone, but there was certainly, um, I think now that we knew where Mando was going and what his ultimate objectives were as a character, um, it was really exciting. Like, I, I found this season certainly more, like, fun exciting than I did season one, which isn't to say that I wasn't, like you know, thrilled all the way through season one, but this one was more like, I know what the adventure is about to be. Um, and I always love a good second part. Cause I, I of course feel like season three is going to tell us even more about both the Mandalorian and Grogu as characters.
1: Yeah. Um, that was the, th- the, you know, anytime you have a, Sure. Like the season one is all about laying the groundwork and introducing the characters, but the way season two just branched
0: out. Yeah. really shook it up.
1: It really did. And it brought us back to the familiar because here's characters we've met before
0: Mm -hmm. Um, and and they didn't
1: have to rely on. Well, you know, the way Dave and John talked about it, you know, Mm -hmm. pulling out the toy box and having, oh, it's not IG-88, it's IG-11 and kind of having their own interpretation of familiar looks and all that, but you know, now they're established and then we get people we really know about. Yeah, Um, And I, yes, I expect season three to be even like more so that way.
0: Yeah. You know, what's so weird is I, while I did love uh, all of the cameos this season, like a lot of people have their valid opinions on it, but like, I thought all of them worked very well. Um, I didn't think there were, too many. I have my opinions on, uh, outside things about those cameos, but as far as stories go, I thought it was really well done, but I also feel like we're not going to get that much outside influence in season three. Like it's all going to come home again. Um, but that's just like my light feeling just from the perspective of someone who does their best to tell stories. Um, but i really thought that that because like bringing in all of those characters for this season was necessary for the development of the mandalorian and din as a character because um i always one of the things i like about the mandalorian as a show is that like with Din, I can introduce like non Star Wars friends to the Star Wars universe, and they only ever need to know as much as he knows in any ongoing moment. So, for him to work as a perspective character and also work as an individual character, he did need these outside influences to bring him into the greater galaxy and the greater narrative that the fans know and that actually or is part of like altering what's going to go on, you know, over the next 20 years, like Grogu, not to jump too far into the, toward the end, but Grogu's ending in this season directly plays into what, what we know of the sequel trilogy in some way or another, you know, like I don't think that Grogu being alive is not going to influence what happens in the future to the Jedi. Um, So I think that this season was all about laying down those cards and like gently setting out those stakes for, for Din and for Grogu and for all of these uh, other supporting characters.
1: now well said. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Even though it seemed like Grogu had an end to his arc. Um, yeah. There, 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 there's a lot that can be told with him, even if, you know, he's absent for part of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can speculate on that later, but whether or not that involves Mandalore or the Jedi. And, um, you know, if people jumping to conclusions thinking, oh no, Ben's going to take him out at the temple. We, we don't know that, <laughs> you know. I did yeah. make that
0: joke. I did make that joke on Twitter, but I just, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to, I feel like not only because of you know marketing brain telling me that like no there's no way that you're gonna take Baby Yoda off of the show. Um, it's it's also just like I just don't think that that Grogu's gonna stick around uh, long enough for that academy to even come up from the ground. Like I feel like there's something that's gonna pull him back, and it'll have to do with what happens to Din in this next season because we will obviously be spending a lot more time with the title character of this show.
1: We will. And I, I think, I, hope so. <laughs> I, I think so. And that's the thing. Cause you know, you, I'm sure you've seen the critiques like, Oh, it's not, yeah. the, it's not about the Mandalorians, the baby Yoda show. No. I mean, they brought it back to, this is about Din Djarin and his journey and yeah. his interpretation of what does it mean to be a Mandalorian mm-hmm. and they're sticking to that. So I give them credit for that. And yeah, yeah. Grogu's cute and all. And my kids got like tons of, uh, plush <laughs> grogu's this christmas but, but but yeah it's just it's more than that
0: yeah absolutely and so i i think that like all the things that happen this season you know despite everyone's complaints about like oh this feels too much like an rpg which i kind of liked um or like oh there's too many cameos i feel like all of that it had it, it had to happen to to you know form in as a fuller character Um, So, yeah, you know, I'm excited about where he's going in particular because now it's just him. Like he has no one to kind of distract him from realizing who he is as a Mandalorian and what his part in the greater, you know, greater presence of Mandalore is.
1: Which has got to be a focus Mm because... They have set it up so much with taking back Mandalore and reclaiming it from the remnants of the Empire yeah. and the fact that he has a dark saber.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Gosh, I I would hate to be Bo-Katan right now. It just, it's just got to be the most frustrating existence in the world To just like, okay, fine, we're going to do this mission, but I have these simple specifics and these need to happen for this to work. And they just, like, none of that happens for her. <laughs> and it's, I just love that scene. Like, just, ju- I feel so bad for jumping directly to the end of the show. But I love that scene where, like, he comes in and he's got Grogu, and he's got the Darksaber, and he's got Moff Gideon, and he looks just exhausted. Like, everything about the way Mando is walking, he's just so tired. And you look at Bo, and she's like, simultaneously also very tired, but now it's like, are you kidding me? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, this, I made specific requests, you guys had one job, and you... (laughs) messed it up for me <laughs> she has had her quinceañera ruined like 86 times and she just needs to get that freaking sword so yeah i i i love the i love the cameos in this season um because of that i uh and this is me saying i loved katie sackoff and i loved uh i really loved seeing mercedes vernardo or vernardo aka sasha banks um, as cosca Reeves, I, I was, I was really excited about her. Like since we saw that one shot in the trailer and I was really happy to see that she's a Mandalorian and she's participating in this like greater storyline and that she got to come back. And I, um, I was, uh, in, in the way of Boba Fett and Fannick Shand, I am so excited, um, to have them in and gosh, like even going back to like the beginning of the season, with Cobb Vanth showing up Um, way back in season one, when, you know, uh, episode five came and Fennec Shan got shot down. um, Everyone was saying, oh, that's Boba Fett. It's Boba Fett. And I'm like saying, and back then I said, well, it could be Boba Fett very validly, but if it's Mm -hmm. Tatooine at this time, then there's someone else who could have Boba Fett's armor and it could be Cobb Vanth. And so I've been riding the Cobb Vanth train, for like a year, and it felt like such a valid thing. Like he, of course, he wasn't the one who came up to to Fennec Shand, but I was still right, and Cobb Vanth was still there, so it counts.
1: <laughs> I was on the Cobb Vanth train too. Yeah, I, I, I mean, because everybody was like, "Oh, the Spurs," so it's Boba, but I'm like, yeah, it it could be Cobb Vanth. I just didn't know, and we, you know, we'll get into like influences later but I, I wasn't sure if they were really going to jump the books yeah. into the show because you know, I could go on about like for the Rise of Skywalker and mm-hmm. certain characters that were added could have been um, Casterfo could have been Ray Sloan you know characters that we have read about and yeah. Mando did that
0: yeah Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, with, with what, you know, I have mixed opinions on the Aftermath series, but um, because I read the Aftermath series, there's like a weird, there's a scene in, in the Rise of Skywalker and it's when Snap dies. um, And then right after that wedge flies in and my brain is like, wait a second, that man's stepson just died. (laughs) Like, to me, narratively, it plays in kind of weird and it feels weird just because I know that information and it's stuck in my head and like the greater population doesn't and it won't bother them. But to me, it's like, wait, I know this about that guy. And I know that like Snap and Wedge have a long term relationship as like a a familial, a familial collect- connection now. And like the and Snap just died and then just Wedge just showed up. OK, I guess this is happening now. So like, that's, that's what my thought process is like. So seeing Cobb introduced in a way that, you know, not necessarily even sticks to his, his Canon book appearance. Like there are things even his in his backstory that are changed, but it's presented in such a way that it's like, well, here's this guy, here's what you know about him, because again, this is what Din knows about him. Um, and that's all, folks you know (laughs) like yeah yeah. so i i i think it's not from now on nobody can tell me that you can't bring ray sloan to live action like now i feel more than ever we should have ray sloan in live action if not in the next season of the mandalorian then certainly in cassian
1: yeah definitely put her in cassian because I i mean there's still the question of does this Imperial remnant, are they with the remnant that we know went to the unknown regions at the end of the Mm -hmm. aftermath books and includes Ray Sloan and, um, Brindle Hux and everybody. But yeah, we know that Ray Sloan was nosing around in the pre new hope time because she was in, um, a new dawn. She was in the Canaan comic. And she
0: was getting promoted a lot. So, yes. so we know that she she'd be busy around that time in order to earn all of those promotions.
1: Yes. So, yeah, I'm totally for that. Get her on that show.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm good wherever, guys. Just bring her on in. We want Ray Sloane. Um. And yeah, so I I really loved I loved Cobb Vanth. I loved. Tim Oliphant as Cobb Vanth. And I really like, I see no narrative reason for him to come back, but just for me, I'd like that in season three. Um, if we could just have him back.
1: <laughs> he, Mando might still need a posse.
0: You know? Yeah. Exactly. Or like, even the Boba Fett show is on Tatooine. What's yes. Cobb <laughs> up to? You know, like, just go hang out with Cobb Vanth, make him part of the game.
1: Well, especially if the book of Boba Fett has flashbacks to how he, what he did those five years,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and the question is, did he know that Cobb Banth had the armor, and why didn't he do anything about it? Mm-hmm. I, I like, I like the theory that's been put out that he saw that Cobb Banth was using it for good to protect the town, mm-hmm. and he was like, okay, you're fi- you're fine, but then yeah. once he didn't have the armor, then he had to go after it.
0: Can I just say, I feel like I'm pulling this everywhere, and I'm so sorry, but can I just say that I, I love, and I know this has been a big topic of discussion, but I love what this show did in such a short time, in such a meaningful way with Boba Fett. Oh, me too. I, I thought it was so, and it's it plays so well. With not just the you know because it again if you're if you're just a movie fan which is totally cool um you only know Boba Fett as a silent killer but if you're an animation fan you have this deeper understanding of the Boba Fett that was gonna show up in the Mandalorian you know like you you knew him as a as a kid you knew him as a teenager you saw him uh get together with Bosk and Dengar and all these other bounty hunters and slowly become you know, this come from being this frustrated orphan to a young leader um, who was actually not that bad at his core. Like more than once he showed up to help people. Uh, I hate to even name this on air, but he was in Dark Disciple to help take care of, I forgot whether it was Ventress or Vaz who needed saving at that time, but somebody did and he came to help. And he, there are moments we see very often in Clone Wars where like, he's just a kid who's trying to do his best in the world. And, and, you know, he becomes a a man trying to make his way in the galaxy. And I see that Boba Fett, who was a teenager in, uh, this performance in The Mandalorian so clearly and so vividly, and to have it brought to life by Tamara Morrison is just the icing on the cake. You know?
1: Yeah, I didn't know I needed him to play the role that badly until he actually did it. And and uh, you know, Disney Gallery season two just uh, came on. Just a, I, I could watch him be interviewed and be on set all day because you <laughs> I can know. tell. You can tell he's so passionate about both the Django and the Boba roles. Yes. And yeah, it, it, it was so funny. Um, you know, uh, the Empire Strikes Back: Certain Point of View book came out recently, and after I got through all the Bounty Hunter stories, I went back and watched the Bounty episode of Clone Wars.
0: Yes, one of my um, favorites.
1: Yeah, and you, you mentioned when he was teaming up with Bossk and Dengar, mm-hmm. and so then it was like that week that he came back on the Mandalorian. And I'm watching his performance, I'm like, Tamora Morrison is playing adult Daniel Logan. I mean, yeah. it, it all just comes together so well now.
0: It's a seamless, I, I think, honestly, it may be at this point, like, at this point, we don't have the Obi-Wan series yet, but it may be an, uh, one of my best, like, multi-actor character depictions, like, many artists collaborated in a way on, uh, bringing this character to life. And so, yeah, I, gosh, I, I can't, I can't even imagine like an adult Boba not performed by Tem, you know? Um, and this is not to say that Daniel Logan didn't make a fantastic young Boba because he did. And he's always going to be the young Boba that like I grew up with, with, uh, in Clone Wars. So yeah, it's just it's nice to see like how many different talents can pitch into the, to a character and make the story so cohesive in this like subtle and like you know seamless way.
1: I I I agree. Um, and and the cherry on the top was the scene in the last episode with him and Bo Katan, <laughs> where where her head snaps around as soon as she hears his voice. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Oh, it's a clone." <laughs> I mean, and, and, and that's the question: Did she know already about Boba Fett? Because she had to know about Django.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I mean, because
1: of, of all and you know him being a jerk, but
0: um, <laughs> yeah, uh... but
1: I mean, that was just so perfect because you know, for for those of us who grew up with just those first three movies, it it was yeah, just we didn't know anything about Boba Fett. You know, I had all the speculation, but now all of us are so ingrained that. He's a clone, and this is the first time it's addressed in live action. That, yeah, he's a clone, and other people have to deal with it.
0: Yep. Yeah, and I think you know, of course, Bo doesn't know the intricacies of his cloning or what Django meant him to be, but he is uh visually, because of his time in the Sarlacc pit, more than anything else, he looks like a clone would at that time. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, his he, he's older you know uh by that time most clones i forgot which book it was uh it was quoted and might have been tarkin or something but there were uh clones who were basically the only ones that were still alive and working for the empire were like you know swabbing bridges and stuff you know they were janitors they were super old
1: yeah so, i remember in lords of the sith
0: there like it at, is, le- yeah, at
1: least yeah at least one clone was one of the, uh, the imperial guard and, and the red guys um mm. yeah. and, and and i keep thinking you know, like he could always play an old man rex in rex, the Ahsoka yeah. series
0: who who else is around that joins the crimson corsair who's that is it fives
1: no oh no um oh the the clone that was frozen
0: yeah uh, was frozen. I, mm. I cannot
1: remember it is it wasn't fives i can't remember his name though yeah. there was cuz there was some i remember people thinking he might show up on resistance Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: So there are like a number of roles that like you could just put right on (laughs) and just give it to Mr. Morrison and send him on on his merry way as a clone. So I'm that's also something I'm very excited about because he clearly in Disney Gallery, like he's so happy to be back. And I would not be against catching up with all of these clones through his performances.
1: Yeah, I would love that.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and um well i mean rex and oh which i can't i can't remember who you know rex had his two buddies which one survived uh the siege of Lothal? uh because one one died which one lived
0: was it wolf who survived i think so yes it was wolf
1: okay so yeah he might be around too
0: yeah i i remember wolf because ventress bonked him on the head once (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah so we, we we yes we need him to play more of the
0: clones mm-hmm. yeah i would love that yeah sorry i i fully derailed us i'm like looking no, it's fine at the outline and i'm like well <laughs> so sorry
1: no no that's that's i, I like it when the <laughs> you know the conversations go this way and we just go with what sounds good
0: mm-hmm but I guess that would fall under under favorite recurring and guest characters, which Bogotan certainly was. Like I, that's another one that like this character has um, and like a lot of star. I'm sorry, there's a very excited dog outside of my window right I now. Heard, yeah, yeah. Um, are you are you good? Okay, sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, I this is one of those rare characters in Star Wars who has only been portrayed by one actor, and that's Katie Sackhoff, who, you know, she voiced her in The Clone Wars and brought her to life on screen and just happened to look a lot like, you know, her cartoon companion. So I, I thought, of course, that she did a great job. Like, she's known this character for a really long time, so she knows the intricacies of like where Bo-Katan's been and how much things would mean to her and how, what her stakes look like. Um, and so I was very impressed with, uh, with her portrayal.
1: Yeah. And you read things like she, she wanted to make sure she had the scar above her eyebrow and yeah. And just little things like that. Like she is the character and i don't know if you i know it's been pointed out like you know on rebels like not all the first season one voice actors resemble the characters too much like you can have hot callus played by uh
0: <laughs> david oh,
1: yeah um but you know, get to later seasons and then um
0: I mean, you could you oh, could I, just be uh, like well this is Calus uh, now
1: yeah <laughs> um but like clancy brown is um Shoot, what's his character's name? Um, Ry- Ryder.
0: Yeah, Ryder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He looks he exactly did. like him. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> and so that was less so in Clone Wars. So the fact that Katie Sackhoff was perfect to continue the role was just
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, just a blessing.
0: Yeah, yeah, really lucky. And I, I think she did. She just did great. And I, I love Axe and Costca, and I hope we get to see a lot more of honestly all three of them like in in the next season like i really would like to see where they go with mandalore
1: i i think that's got to be the season three arc yeah like because uh, i thought well you know um john esposito kind of tease that there's four seasons
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so i thought oh maybe the liberation of mandalore is the season the series finale But Mm. I'm wondering if that's season three and then season four might be like the, whatever the final journey for Din and Grogu is.
0: Right. Yeah, maybe.
1: And credit to uh, Mercedes Renato for being a good liar because she said she wasn't coming back this season. (laughs) Yeah. Get him him in the finale.
0: I, I was really pleased to see her back. Like she's, she... I, you know, I love me a random new strong lady. So I, I hope we get to hear more about her and like how long she's been working with Bo.
1: Yeah. That, that's a whole story in itself. Cause you know, she's with the wrens and all that. When last time we see her. So where are they?
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if like there i feel like there are two major ways that this next season's this season could start and that's either a few months ahead of time where like we see where where din is uh based on where he's been over these like past few months like coping without the boy or we just start in that very moment right after luke leaves and we figure out you know what's going to happen with Moff Gideon after that moment, and where Bo and Costca are going to go, and you know, I guess Cara is going to go wherever Cara goes. I don't really care where she's off to, but yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so yeah, like that's it's. I think it's a it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting look at like what what Mando what his purpose is you know, overall and figuring out like what he wants to be, um, in the grand scale of things. Cause he is, you know, his core is, he's just some guy in the galaxy. And now he's a lot more important than he used to be.
1: By far. Uh, my thought is, okay. So Boba and Fennec fulfilled their deal. Yeah. And obviously they went to Tatooine to, to take out, uh, Bib Fortuna. Fortuna. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Which I also love that that's a real set they built, so yeah, that, that lends to the whole Solo Two thing, you know, because <laughs> they've got the set now. Yeah. Um. So, and then of course, he, you know, besides Grogu, not having Grogu, he doesn't have a ship. Mm-hmm. So, and they teased us with the Gauntlet Fighter. So I wonder if season three starts out with Din Djarin and Bo-Katan and her group together and using and the gauntlet fighter is the main ship yeah. and so it's kind of a reluctant partnership until they figure out what the heck they're going to do
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's that sounds like the most like sensible way to continue the season so i yeah I'm, I'm really excited i can't wait and they haven't even started filming yet ah! i know <laughs> <Hooray>!
1: <laughs> yeah we've just got so much goodness coming
0: honestly um, yeah
1: um but since we're in that realm, um not including the spinoff shows what's your whats project are you most looking forward to of the ones that were announced by Kathleen Kennedy?
0: Oh, I'm looking forward to the acolyte um I'm yeah, I'm such a big fan of Leslie Headland, and um I just finished rewatching Russian doll actually, which she worked Love on that show <laughs> me too, and so i I can't wait and it's like it's interesting because it's supposed to be at like the later era of the high republic and like the things that we're you know we're just now getting and 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 that that are going to be released over the next like few months are like the very early years of the high republic so i'm i'm excited to see like what what it's going to connect because i feel like some that the acolyte kind of because of the timing and like what the rumors say about when it's taking place, it feels like that strong connector between the high Republic era and the, um, the prequel Republic era, like that's going to be our midpoint. So I'm hoping that's exactly what it is because in this wonderful little audio, uh, drama called Dooku Jedi Lost, there's a character named lean Castana who yes. time wise. Yeah. She would fit in right there. And
1: <laughs> like, no, now you've got me excited. Like, I, like I'm not uh... saying
0: the acolyte is Lean Castana, but the Jedi that the acolyte faces off against could easily be Lean Castana because this acolyte is this. This is at that time where it's like there are no Sith. There's no such thing. It's just these other bad guys, and we just finish them off or whatever is going on in that era. Um, and this is that that apprentice of the Sith that that lie in in, in wait and in 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 the darkness that the Jedi don't see who is you know, from what I've seen of like the description, like it's this first Sith acolyte who is like going out and and I guess spreading the word of the Sith and killing people or something. I don't know. so i'm I'm really excited to and that's just that's saying a lot because I usually don't give a crap about Sith projects. I'm really excited to see like what what this is as like a bridge or a connector. Um, to grow into the greater story of the prequels, it's the prequels of the prequels, but not the prequel prequel. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I have let it be known to Kevin Scott on Twitter that I love Lean Castana, Sith relic hunter.
0: Yes.
1: So, so yes, if there's any way they can tie it into whoever, like the the main female lead, mm-hmm. and perhaps like she's also on the hunt. Kind of a pre-effort type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if they're passed cross, I will be so excited because yeah. we still know. Yeah, we still haven't seen like what Linko Sana looks like either.
0: Exactly, and like the only description we have is that she like kind of looks a little bit like Ventress. Like she's tall and pale, blah blah blah. um But the, I that also brought up that's in that same book. Um, Yoda mentions Master Trennis who uh, is either related to or is Keeve Trennis from the High Republic. Um, yes. And he says something like, Master Trennis, what a sh- what a shame, what a great loss, because this character appears in the Hall of the Lost 20, who are all of the Jedi that have left the Order for, you know, any reason or whatever. You know, it's not specified. It could be marriage. It could be falling to the Sith. It could be, I just want to go live on a farm, you know just everybody who's left the order. And so that those that's kind of like where I, where I feel like this is how it's going to weave between the high Republic and, and the, and the Republic we know from the prequels. So, you know, fingers crossed, don't quote me, but maybe I'm with it. Yeah. Uh, I did say top vamp is going to happen. So I'm not, not saying anything, but I'm saying,
1: (laughs) yeah, I cannot wait for that series. Um, And the fact she's already been announced, hopefully it's like next in line after, Mm -hmm. well, you know, Andor's filming, Kenobi's filming soon. Hopefully it's the one after that.
0: Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, well, they they definitely, I feel like they want to, they're going to want to let the High Republic like marinate and become this bigger thing. um, So that there's at least a little bit of excitement when they start introducing that content on like TV and stuff
1: oh yeah i mean it's it, well it's going to be at least a year and a half probably
0: yeah.
1: mm-hmm. um, and and yeah i mean as of this recording it's a week until the high republic starts Woo-hoo! And i've got uh light of the jedi pre-ordered on audio so i can't Yay! wait
0: awesome.
1: and then um and they've already like kevin scott's got one in june i think so yeah it's going to be a ongoing thing and i cannot and thanks thank you for reminding me about Master Trennis, because I'd forgotten that the name matched. I was like, "Oh, I got to pay attention to that character."
0: Yeah, it's it's not confirmed that it is this same Trennis person, but it's you know same last name, so could be a descendant, could be a relative, could be that person.
1: But then again, you know the Jedi aren't supposed to procreate, so
0: we don't know the rules of the High Republic Jedi yet. So I'm just saying.
1: and there's a character in *Dooku Jedi Lost* who found a way around that.
0: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> just go, so just
1: go off for a few months, you yeah.
0: yeah, like the, the there are reasons that the prequel Jedi failed, and their rules kind of have to play into that a little bit. We won't go super deep on that. That's a very huge theoretical conversation that I'm tired of having. But <laughs> but yes, like the I feel like the High Republic Jedi and the prequel Jedi, while being similar, will be we will see different views of how the force works between the two of them for certain for sure yeah yes that's how I feel
1: <laughs> I, I like it yeah all right okay so mando
0: <laughs> Mandalorian, right <we're> yes. <laughs> <laughs> <the> okay. Mandalorian.
1: <laughs> we I just love talking star Wars so this is great
0: <laughs> all
1: right well uh, what's your favorite what, what was your favorite episode of season two
0: Uh, my absolute favorite episode outside of episode, I feel like episode one is kind of like the one that doesn't count because it's just like so much fun. Um, but my, my absolute favorite would have to be honestly the, um, the, the one where Boba comes back. Because, not only because it's like, oh, it's the Boba episode, but because Fennec came back in that episode. And that was what I was waiting for this whole season. Like, I just, I've wanted her back. I'm like, there's no way they're not going to waste this character. Like, they wouldn't have shown us, like, that shot if, like, she wasn't coming back. And, yeah, it's just, I'm so happy because that it's just like that moment was like, oh my God, Fennec's back. And then the very next like like couple of weeks was like, oh my God, Fennec's gonna be in the Bad Batch. And oh my God, Fennec's gonna be in the Boba show. And it just it was so good. So like that that episode kind of signifies as like the beginning of like a rolling uh series of events where I just felt really happy because Fennec Shan was around. So yeah. It was just a lovely episode to, to watch until the end when I was really stressed out for the baby.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, the ending sucked. <laughs> for, for <first> <laughs>
0: it's the worst, but it was also like, oh, look at all these badass middle-aged people.
1: <laughs> yeah, it gives me hope for, for when I get, you know, like 15 more years. Down the road. I, uh,
0: what was it? I, when I was on, when I went on E.T. Now, Jermaine uh, said that, like, he had seen Tamura wor- like working out and running through the neighborhood um, leading up to this season, which is why he thought Boba Fett was coming back. He was right. So there's hope yet for us all, everybody. We can just get, we got to call Tamura Morrison and see what we can do to keep ourselves healthy and happy.
1: Yeah. And ming Win's just just like a freaking nature hell. she doesn't age. I mean, No,
0: but it's just like it's good. First off, I feel like I, I we we just need to make sure everyone knows that Ming Dao has like the egot of like of of Disney. Basically, like she has been yeah. a Disney princess. She has been a Marvel character. She's in Star Wars. Like she's what? What else? She was uh, there was a fourth one that would have qualified. This. For yeah. She was in something uh, else, but, you know, like, this, to, to see her as this, like, continued ongoing character who means something in Star Wars when, like, a while ago, I remember when she got her Disney Legend Award, she was just, like, happy to even have a cameo in Star Wars. Um, and now it's become, like, a role that's going to be significant because she's a character now who we're going to see in Bad Batch and then see at different points of her life. In, you know, in the Boba Fett series. So I'm really excited for her.
1: I was trying to look up what the, the other, the fourth one was. But, My brain um, leaves
0: me, but I know there was a fourth.
1: I will say the first time I ever saw her was a, uh, there was a show called the single guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Th- that was the first, like I, uh, and then I saw Joy Luck Club like years later, but. Yeah, that, that was the first time I saw her. And then I actually have, have never seen Street Fighter, so.
0: Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah but, she's just she's an icon and just like, yeah, I is. feel like we're so lucky to have her in Star Wars, like this new this, for whatever, you know, everyone's opinions on on this new era of Star Wars. I feel like the 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 talent that we have gotten so far has been so above and beyond impressive and you know i don't i don't want to say that it's because dizzy seems to be hiring its character talent more diversely and giving more stories to you know, hands that usually wouldn't pass through these stories. But that's exactly what I'm saying. And I'm saying that the more you do it and the more you open up those uh, casting pools and those writers rooms to different ideas and people, the better this is going to get. And the proof is in the pudding, you know?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like the Mandalorian is a show that scarcely stars a white man ever. Like, and it's fucking. I'm sorry. Am I allowed to curse on the show? I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> no, go ahead. It's
1: fine.
0: It's 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 like the you know it's popular in all in so many different households. Like in in so many different places. It's uh it's reached different Star Wars fans because there are so many different types of characters to latch onto. And yeah, I just. I'm going back to that. That's why my my favorite episode is uh, is that one because it was just so much fun and uh, you know it was so diverse. There were no white people in it. <laughs> <laughs> now you got
1: me thinking. Like <laughs> is Bill Burr the only stri- like just regular white guy on the show? Yeah, <laughs> and he's from and he's Boston, so he like took a whole other direction. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think Bill Burr is the only like standout white man on the show this season. Wow. That's
1: that's, that's crazy. I mean, that's uh, good, but...
0: Yeah, no, I'm very happy to see that in front of the camera. I would, I am increasingly happy when I get to see that kind of stuff happen behind the camera. Um, mm-hmm. ar- again, arguably that episode was Robert Rodriguez's episode, um, and you know, I, I... I just love it so much. Um, and that was, that was before I even knew it was Robert Rodriguez's episode, but yeah, like it just, it you know, again, the proof is in the pudding. It goes to show you that like the, the more you open up the doors, the better your stories are going to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, look at, I mean, I, whether or not he co-wrote a season one of season one's episodes, this season had the first live action star wars written by a black guy
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and i mean and i mean er, uh, i don't know if you'll mention it later but the the mess hall scene i mean that's just amazing writing
0: oh my god that that was so gosh that was such a tense scene and it was wild because like i didn't even that was an episode that i like wasn't super excited for like i saw it at the beginning as filler, like I'm not the biggest fan of Bill Burr. Um, and so I was like, oh my God, we have to deal with Mayfield again, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But that scene was so well put together that it completely grabbed my attention. And it, it, you know, it had me glued to the screen for when Mando took off his his helmet. Like I, it, oh it, man, the whole, the whole sequence was just like, very well done. It was a very tense character piece.
1: Well, you know it's a good scene when you forget that it includes Mando with his helmet off.
0: Right? <laughs> like two minutes later you you stop and you're like, wait a freaking second, did I just see Pedro Pascal?
1: <laughs> and and then what um you know, when you realize that he matches head movements to someone who's worn a helmet for his whole adult life. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, just incredible acting all the way around. So good, honestly. Like and the fact they got Joe Chill to play the imperial <laughs> guy. I thought that was a good touch.
0: Uh I did love that a lot. Like the again, the cameos this season were like amazing. Like uh that that one imperial officer who was played by Bosch, like yeah. <sighs> such a good, And that was like such a great performance too. Like that that was like the the intense like super devoted imperial remnant that like we don't often see and even in those spare moments that was kind of it was kind of scary to watch him like be so willing to die for his poisonous cause so yeah
1: yeah i hated he was only in the one episode
0: yeah oh well
1: and then then we even get katie o'brien's like badass hot lesbian uh imperial officer
0: oh yeah Uh, oh my god
1: but they didn't even give her a name.
0: Yeah. They didn't... I hope we do see her again. I feel like she was popular enough on Twitter to be brought back in the future. Because, like, I remember right after that episode, the one one of the few things I saw that was, like, you know, quote-unquote spoilery was the mention of her. And then it was just, like, a bunch of pictures of her in, like, leather jackets and stuff all over Twitter. Yeah. it's <laughs> was like, oh, okay, yeah. So, like, this is... This is somebody you probably want to bring back for the next season, just for the fans, you know.
1: Yeah, hopefully she didn't get killed off in the in the bridge. Oh, story.
0: yeah. <laughs> there is that, yeah, definitely. Maybe, maybe she got away. Maybe there was an escape pod.
1: Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, because whoever Gideon's like, if he has a big boss, you know, like somebody had had to escape to mm-hmm. let them know what happened.
0: Yeah. She has to get out so she can uh, communicate with Ray Sloan and tell her what's up. Tell her what's happened. I'm for it. <laughs> exactly. Yes.
1: All right. So my favorite episode was, as much as I want to say The Rescue, because mm-hmm. it's just an amazing like finale, The, the Heiress <sighs> just had so many good things.
0: It was so good.
1: And Bryce Dallas Howard has <laughs> just... You, you can even though you wouldn't think like oh you know she she would like be in, uh, involved in star wars but she has d- done two such amazing episodes yeah, with strong I mean, female characters
0: yeah like i i feel like even even if it it wasn't a question of like her star wars fandom it's it's her upbringing like she was raised within the you know, within the space where, like, her influences would have shown her everything that influenced Star Wars. So she knows the language, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, just like on Disney Gallery again, you know, she's talking about, like, oh, because it's a water planet, we've got on Calamari, we've got corn. Yeah. <laughs> just like And you could tell she wasn't having to, like, no, what are they called again?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just natural for her.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not,
1: so, of course, it's the Bo-Katan episode. Uh, which is awesome in its own right. You know, we have Frog Lady and Frog Man reunited, <laughs> um, and uh, the fact she did the, the whole reentry thing was an homage to her dad directing Apollo thirteen.
0: Yes, I loved those. I like the moment I saw those shots. I was like fangirling because it was just it was such a nice little like homage to put into her dad, and you know that that nice little like bridge because he had directed a star Wars and now she has directed her second star Wars, so it's just nice i i hope we get a lot more stuff with bryce Dallas howard at the helm because she obviously like i said she knows the language like she knows what we want <laughs>
1: well she can direct solo too
0: yeah exactly <laughs> with more kira
1: or, or like a Crimson Dawn. Yeah, do that.
0: Oh my god, a Crimson Dawn series. I want her to direct the story that ends with Kira marooning Maul on Malachor. That's what I want. I'll write it.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> that's right. We don't know how he wound up there.
0: Yeah, no, that's my that's my hard theory. It's just like Kira trapped him there. She dropped him there. She took his business and she left. Like that's that's what i'm that's the only outcome that makes sense to me works for me yeah because he wasn't going to tell ezra i was tricked by some girl he just no he's not going to bring that up in conversation
1: uh let's see okay yes all right so she's down for that um i'm trying to think of what else are like the thing about the heiress it was the first episode of the series that made me think. Well, uh, uh, I take that back. Um, the Marshall kind of did, because it continued the Boba Fett legend. But th- this episode felt like a direct sequel to Re- Return of the Jedi.
0: Yeah, because
1: you, you know, since you still had the Empire, and it just felt natural for the for Mandalorians to be fighting them. I was like, man, this is this is a like familiar Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, season one seemed a little more experimental with the characters and stuff, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, i I really, I really enjoyed this episode because I liked the Heiress because it wasn't just a great Bo Katan episode. I thought it was a really good. Mando episode because even though like he's not he's kind of like not the focus of it um he's in a way he is learning and developing through the actions and the things he's learning from uh the other Mandalorians about Mandalore like it's very subtle but his beliefs are challenged in that episode and his entire upbringing is like flipped on its head and like oh well. Everything you know in life was actually the result of, like, basically a cult. And I, us Mandalorians don't believe that. So, like, who's right now? You know? So, I, I thought that was like, it was a very subtle thing, but it was like very clearly portrayed to me. And I thought it was done really well.
1: Yeah, exactly. It answered in five minutes what we spent the whole first season wondering about the helmet thing.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Which is why I'm not sweating the Darksaber <laughs> um, deal either. for Like when she t- just took it from Sabine and Rebels. Yeah. They'll probably explain it next season, so it's no big deal.
0: hmm Yeah, there's – I forgot who said it when I was on the Geeky Waffle. I think it was either Mo or Bree or Waffle. But um, somebody had brought up that, like, there's a very specific reason – why she's not taking it this time like that rule could have stood uh the whole time uh but she took it from sabine last time and things went wrong and so she wants she wanted to take it rightfully this time and like it it, because she didn't like it's now a problem for her um but yeah i'm sure that's again yeah that's something that like just like the helmets it'll be like something that's very quickly and easily explained next season I feel like a lot of big questions in Star Wars are things that like can get wrapped up within like the first five minutes of a movie. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Cause, cause all the questions that fans ask and this is, I feel like this is kind of me sounding a little bit elitist, but I promise I'm not trying to, but like the questions that fan asks, fans asks are like, they're so often not the ones that the story is hoping you'll ask. I think with Star Wars, like, you know, people will sit here and go, like, why are Ahsoka's montrals this size now? Like, what happened to her? And it's like, well, it's makeup and hair. So, you know, like, that's that's what they had to do to make her flip around and do all that stuff that she had to do without her montrals like, flying off her head. But the real question, like, you know, there's there's a deeper question in that episode. Or, like, there's a deeper question in Star Wars that, like it it gets answered in the broader narrative of things. And like people focus on things that are going to get answered in like two seconds in the next episode. So yeah.
1: Well, the Ahsoka one's a good example, like w- because they're trying to tie it into the epilogue of rebels right. as far as the timeline. Yeah. And then so everybody's like, well, why is she just hanging out for all these years? And then at the end of the episode, she asked about Thrawn. So you're like, Oh, She's trying to figure out where he is, and she didn't yeah. take her that long. If she was wasn't just hanging out,
0: exactly. But yeah, so- yeah. The important things answer themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Like so, she totally could have just called Luke and Leia, just like a phone call. You know, phone call from Auntie. um I call my nieces all the time. I don't know why Ahsoka couldn't, but <laughs> that's just a joke. I swear. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like so, I I really enjoyed the heiress a lot like i'm glad you picked that episode because i not only did i love spending time with bo katan but it really cleaned up like all the stuff about mandalore and opened up even more when it comes to the lore of mandalore
1: yes all right um okay so let's get into favorite characters um i kind of divided it up so who's your favorite recurring character like someone who originated in season one and then who is your favorite guest character
0: uh oh man okay my favorite recurring character uh is mithril (laughs) Uh, played by horatio sands i i was very pleased to see him back um uh because he's just I, and it's not even like that, uh, you know. I, I I don't have any any good reasons for liking him. I just think he's really funny, and it was fun to have him back on the show. Um, so he's he's certainly like my favorite recurring because it's like, why is he? here? Oh wait, you know what? Who 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 tops him more than anyone else? I would say Pelimoto because um, I love Amy Sidaris, and I was very excited to see her back you know, more than once throughout, uh, these two seasons. Um, and it was just like really nice to have her in the same episode that Cobb Vanth was in. I was in such a good mood that day. Uh, (laughs) Um, and then my favorite guest character, uh, I guess it would be Boba Fett. Like he very narrowly, like beats Spokatan in the guest character realm for me because uh, I, you know, love him. So, (laughs) yeah. And then I think the, the ultimate in between those two would be Fadik Shan because technically she's a recurring character because she came back, but technically she's a guest character because she's going to be in the uh, book of Boba Fett. So, yeah.
1: I I, I accept that. Yes.
0: (laughs) What about you?
1: Uh, my favorite recurring is Boff Gideon.
0: Yay!
1: A, a lot of it, and I love him. You know, longtime listeners to the show will know I, I just like go on and on about how much I love Giancarlo Esp- Esposito from you know Breaking Bad and Once Upon a Time and um, Revolution. I mean, he's and I like oh um, when there was nothing better to do during lockdown. I watched, um, do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's been so good for so long. And then he comes in and plays this character who like when he showed up, like I I, I figured he'd be like the big bad who gets killed off at the end of season one. Mm -hmm. And then he shows up and he's turns out he's ISB. So he knows everything. And he gives that monologue where he, like tells you who all the people are. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this guy is awesome. And then at the end, he doesn't die, and and he's got the dark saber. So he had to spend, you know, ten months figuring out why he had the dark saber. Yeah. And then, and then this season, he he uses it to threaten babies. <laughs> and, um, and and just the way he play like changes his emotion to play with people. Like mm-hmm. he was trying to be so sympathetic to Dinjarin when he was. Oh, I, I got what I needed. You can have him. Just <laughs> go, you know, go, go your ways. And then, of course, and then we finally get the badass fight where he's got the dark saber. Yeah. And and, and the fact that he had a good, like, you're thinking, when he, when he was describing in Zoom videos this summer, like, yeah, I broke a lot of dark saber props fighting. I'm like, who is he fighting? Because you know, <laughs> Well, you know, you think, oh, he's going to fight Ahsoka, uh, saber on saber, but then or they so. came up with- yeah,
0: yeah. My, my thought was that he was going to fight Bo this season, so I was very surprised when it ended up being uh, Din because um, I, you know, that's that especially when we were going into the rescue I thought it was going to be Bo but I really, I I loved Moff Gideon in that like yeah, like you said, he's got this like, this shift between being like the serious, intense like, threatening presence and also just having this like shit-eating grin on his face and going like, I've tricked you. <laughs> like, I know what you're doing. I know everything. Like, I love, I love that about him because he, 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 isn't one of those villains who like, it, it took a lot to take down Moff Gideon. Like, he's not a joke of a villain. So the fact that like, he is clearly having like fun makes him in a way to me, not only entertaining, but even more dangerous. Um, and so, yeah, like he's definitely icon.
1: Yeah. And then his final thing this season is playing Bo Katan and Din against each other. Uh-huh. Exactly. And, and he's still alive. And so he and Pershing will be stewing in some prison.
0: Yes. Uh, Until yeah, Ray can't... Sloan comes and breaks him out. <gasps> <laughs> Orthodox. Orthron, Orthron. just gonna put these things on the universe and see where they go
1: <laughs> i'm actually wearing my moff gideon shirt that i got for christmas my wife That's got it for sick.
0: me Oh yay! Kudos it, was to the one,
1: yeah, it was the one that he was wearing uh on one of the mando mondays
0: oh i love that oh nice
1: um and as far as guest guest characters and and we've already talked about why uh cob vanth uh, just yeah. because they went there and brought in a book character
0: yeah and he's just that whole performance was just so charming like I wanted when I when I thought of live action Cobb Vanth I wanted a super super stereotypical cowboy I wanted him to be a bit of a himbo with a heart of gold mm-hmm. and I, you know because he's kind of a dangerous dude in the books and uh He's a little. He's still dangerous. He's still clever, but he's a little bit lighter in the uh, in the TV depiction. And yeah, God, he was yeah. everything I wanted. <laughs> well, he is
1: not unattractive. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> he was not hard to look at.
1: And uh, like uh, as Kevin Smith calls him, Tim, Olyfantastic.
0: fantastic. Yes, exactly. I would subscribe to his Tim only fans.
1: Uh, I, you know, I don't. Th- I, I was trying to think like. I haven't seen a lot of his movies, so I was trying to think what I've actually seen him in before now, because um, I didn't watch um, what was it Deadwood that he was in?
0: Yeah, Deadwood. Yeah, and I haven't.
1: Um, and I'd, you know, I remember when he he did Hitman and he was bald for that one. I'm like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he looks better with hair. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, he's um, great.
1: But and yeah, and you're right. They it didn't match the book description of how he got the armor, but that could be just him. You know, making himself seem more heroic in the, yeah, you know, that he he mm-hmm. bravely gets away from the town and yeah. buys the armor. You know,
0: yeah. I I mean, again, I like. I feel. I feel like maybe I'm not as attached to like the idea of not retconning Star Wars. Like, if it doesn't work and something else is going to work better, then do it. You know, like I strongly encourage. Uh, retconning things that happened in books, particularly if they're the deaths of iconic female characters, I greatly, greatly suggest retconning those. So, things like Cobb Vanth kind of give me hope, you know.
1: So, you want Ventress in season four, yeah, Yeah. even
0: or the (laughs) Book of Boba Fett, (laughs) yeah. Oh, yeah, Uh, yes, yes, that would be Mm -hmm. awesome. Just bring back Auntie from the dead.
1: It has been so long since I read the book. uh, Like I forgot how definitive the death was, but yeah, bring her back. Sure. Is is is, a night sister
0: death really definitive? No. Like that's the thing. Like Talzin, quote unquote, died and came back like two or three times. So, like, uh, not super definitive to me. All I'm saying.
1: On a side note, what do you think about the theory that the magistrate is a night sister?
0: pretty cool uh i was thinking about because people were like oh she doesn't look like the night sisters and i'm also but i was also thinking about the night sister from the um ewok movies um the first night sister we're introduced to in canon looks and dresses very much like the magistrate um she's a human she has like dark feathery clothing um so yeah, I mean like it's a cool theory like I wish they would be very clear about that because they have not been clear about anything having to do with the night sisters ever. Um but yeah, like I I'm about it. Like there the idea that there was only one coven of women and one village full of men living on that big old planet just seems a little silly to me. So multiple night sister covens makes a lot more sense. Um and, you know, it could be very much like, you know, that's that's another door that you could open into, like, storytelling with the Force. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, especially if she's that uh, young character from uh, the Clone Wars, what was it, the Battle of um, Tales of Light and Dark or whatever that came out this year?
0: Oh, oh, um, may, may, maybe, I don't maybe that's her, yeah. like I, Yeah, because
1: that was the one original story, and you, because I remember listening do, listening to the audio book, I'm like, "Where's this going? I don't remember this from the episode." Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: maybe that's interesting. I need to reread that one. <laughs> that was
1: that, that was a surprisingly good book. I liked yeah.
0: it. I was, I was, I liked it quite a bit. I want to listen to the audio version where Sam Witwer reads the mall monologue. Oh,
1: he is! It's it's good.
0: <laughs> Very exciting.
1: All right. Um, all right. So, moving on, um, what are your top three moments of the season?
0: Mm, this season, for me, the absolute top three moments were when the first one was uh, when Grogu, when Ahsoka was testing Grogu, um, and he, you know, he did his thing and he like floated the, the ball over to himself after after Mando helped him and then Mando came over and like congratulated him and like psyched him up and said, good job. And that was, a, <laughs> that was like my first favorite moment from the season. I mean, I have like a million favorite moments from before that, but rank wise, that is like the first of my favorites. Um, the My second favorite uh, was not just when Boba Fett came back, but when he – introduced fennec shand and specifically when he said she has like the gun trained on you i was like oh my god it's fennec like i she i didn't even have to see her um so i was thrilled to see her come back um and then my my third favorite was uh bo katan's um first appearance i was so excited to see not only like her but other mandalorians who were with her and clearly not part of of um the the uh covert that mando came, mando came from
1: those are all good i yeah. like that
0: yeah
1: uh i i just went in order of episodes um my first one was when they were fighting the crate dragon yes because i remember sitting there and thinking oh my god this is so cinematic it was like and, and it turns out john Favreau directed it mm-hmm. uh, but you're like you're just watching it like this, the scale on this is incredible. And only after the fact did I realize they changed the aspect ratio on us. So uh-huh. it literally was the most cinematic thing they've done on the show. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, but you know, and plus that's the first time. Well, before we realized we were going to get Boba Fett for real, mm-hmm. I mean, you're watching the Mandalorian and a guy in Boba Fett's armor. Yes. Like fighting a great dragon. And you're like, Holy crap. I can't believe this is actually happening.
0: So amazing when they were like jetpacking around. Made me so happy.
1: And well, and paid off the, uh, the broken jet pack. Mm -hmm. The second one was back to the air specifically when they're on the Gazanti cruiser fighting their way to the, towards the, the uh, cargo hold. And it, again, it took me back to like original trilogy like the detention cell, the yes. firefight mm-hmm. and because that's something I played as a kid like down the hallway of my house, we'd mm-hmm. you know like just get in the nook of the doorway and pretend that we are getting fired at by stormtroopers mm-hmm. and and that just that just took me back and and plus the fact it's like Mandalorians fighting stormtroopers didn't think I'd see that in live action star Wars
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so yeah, and plus the and you, you mentioned it before, like, you know, Din charn was so out of his element. He's kind of like just following behind them as they're leading the charge.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Just, yeah, just the whole vibe of that. And I, I went for the third one I went with when Boba Fett starts wrecking house on Tython. Yes! Um, n- not only once he gets the suit, but also when he's fighting with the gaffy stick. And then, as, as it turns out, like Tamoor Morrison influenced that with his Maori background. Yeah, and and I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. I said, you know, that makes a lot of sense because Boba's had five years of not wearing the armor to develop a new fighting style. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not you know odd for the character or anything. It's just how
0: he fights. Yep, agreed. Yeah, I I, I love all the again like all the things that Tem. Added to Boba felt like they were already part of him, so it was really nice.
1: Yeah, nothing seemed out of whack. And um, have, have you? I, I tweeted it a couple of times. Have you seen the where they added the fets vet song over all the action? Oh no! I'll I'll link it to you later. Oh, but, um, yeah, it's like an old song they used in um, Zach and Mary Make It Porno for um, the Star Horse scene. <laughs> have, you, mm-hmm. have you seen that movie?
0: I haven't <laughs> I need to
1: no it's a Kevin Smith movie where uh with Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks yeah where they um they, they decide like to become famous by making a porno and so their first idea is to do a Star Wars parody mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh no yeah uh, anyway
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will make sure to watch it,
1: <laughs> it, it it's really it's really funny
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, um So anyway, yeah, they, somebody took the the Boba Fett song that was played in that movie and just dubbed it over the (laughs) fight scene. Once they had the armor back on and actually matches the uh, lyrics really well. Sick. So, um, and, and, um, honorable mention to the seismic charge.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That was a very good move.
1: Because the funny thing was like, I didn't even think about it that it was going to happen because I figured he would just turn around and hit them with the, um, the tail uh tail guns like um when he was going after uh when jango went after obi-wan yeah and then as soon as the the back door opens i just start freaking out and my my son's watching it with me Is like what i was like he's gonna drop that side by
0: charge oh my god amazing it was such a it was such a good like well-timed move it was the coolest thing ever boba fett is so cool now
1: yeah he yeah, yeah. is <laughs> And I'm so glad on Gallery they they explained how they did the um the rotation of the cargo hold in yes. the Slave One, like mm-hmm. finally answered that after all these years.
0: Yeah i I did like a little storyboard recently, and i I was really excited to do it. Not only because I obviously wanted to do a little Mando fan storyboard, but it was also it took place in the passenger hold of uh of that ship, and so it was really fun to just kind of look through all of the screenshots and see how they use that as a set and then do it on my own.
1: Nice. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so glad that's official now. All right. Uh, so what was your biggest surprise of the season?
0: Um, even though I called it and I said it would happen, in some way or another, I was very surprised to see Cobb Vanth af actually just like show up out of the blue this season. Um, I know everyone, everyone would say like, Oh, Ahsoka was a big surprise or like Bo-Katan was a big surprise or, you know, Luke was a big surprise. Luke was a huge surprise, but it was also just like, I don't know the nice light feeling of going like, Oh, Oh, this character that I kind of like showed up. That's so neat. Like, Think of the possibilities now, and so it's it was just like such a nice feeling that it, it stuck with me. Though of course that Luke cameo, oh, <laughs> I I remember that morning because I I was watching it like seven a.m. and my roommate had just left um, to go to set, and uh, I I had turned it on, and then the moment. Kara turned around and said, like, what good is like a, a lone fighter? Or whatever she says. I wasn't paying attention. I was like, oh, my God, it's Luke Skywalker. Like, <laughs> it's like that's Luke Skywalker. And then I just kept saying it's Luke Skywalker for like 15 minutes solid in this increasingly like louder and louder and louder volume until I was like screaming. It's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> uh, it was just wonderful.
1: That was a great thing, man. I mentioned it when I reviewed it last week uh, because they spent part of the season setting up Carson Tiva and the new Republic pilots. I fe- I thought it was him. Yeah. And that, and that a f- like a squadron was going to come out of hyperspace right behind him. Mm-hmm. But then when you realized, Oh, it's just the one I'm like, Oh, it's Luke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: It was really, oh. Oh sorry. Um but yeah, okay. like I, <laughs> I'm the,
1: what are you doing? I'm the one on Eastern time.
0: I know. I usually <laughs> I'm 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 such an old person. I'm like always like in bed by like 10 and all that. So um but yeah, I, I, I would still say even though that Luke Skywalker thing had me screaming, Cobb Vanth was my biggest surprise, the most delightful one.
1: I uh, I will say, like all the cameos or the characters they brought over from other like animated slash live action media. Mm-hmm. It made, it, it wasn't fan service. It made sense. Yeah. It, it, of course he's going to run into Bo-Katan if he's looking for other Mandalorians who will lead him to Ahsoka, who will clue him in to maybe contact Luke.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But yeah, Cobb Banth was the leap of faith to do the books. Mm-hmm. So yeah. No, that that's, works that's, really well. Yeah, it did. And he, he needs to be back.
0: <laughs> yes, I want more more Cobb Vanth material, please.
1: Yes, uh, my big surprise wasn't that Fennec came back because you figured she had to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's that she became such an important character and is now going to be on three different shows. Yay!
0: When is my Fennec Shan Black series? When? Oh, it's got to be.
1: I, I've, heard, I've heard rumblings. I think she's coming up. Ooh,
0: so exciting!
1: I gotta have her gotta have her on my shelf.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree.
1: All right. Um, so, you know, I told you beforehand, we'd talk about like favorite influences we've already talked about aftermath and how, um, you know, uh, well, not, not only Cobb Vanth, but just the fact in the siege Mm -hmm. when, um, like if you have the subtitles turned on, the droid gave tons of background
0: information mm-hmm. on the
1: new Republic and can, you know, and backed up the fact that Chandrilla was the capital of the Republic at the time.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's straight out of aftermath too. Yeah. So I, so the fact that, you know, they're calling stuff from there. Um, and I know there's one thing we want to talk about, but is there any other media that you noticed influence something in season two?
0: Outside of the the one thing we want to talk about, um, I, you know, honestly, a lot of it was just like s- things that were kind of strings that tied to Rebels and Clone Wars, um, just throughout the season in like very subtle ways. Uh, but I honestly, I kind of just want to talk about what we were talking, what we were going to talk about, which is Star Wars Uprising. Yes, um, let's get into it. A beautiful little mobile game that saved my life when I had to. Um, ride the subway and and buses a lot (laughs) so i i was and there's so much of it um aftermath and uprising are like very present in these narratives because not only is burn Kahn brought up um when it comes to mayfield's past uh which is a a major player in in the annuit system in uh in uprising and it shows up in aftermath um but also, even the, the, the murder droids are, are next phase developments of the, the droid enemies that you have to face in Uprising. So, I just, I, oh, I was so pleased. Oh, there was also, um, before we go on to Uprising, I will bring up uh, the HK units that are, are later versions of the HK units from the Old Republic games. So that was really I was really excited to see an HK. (laughs) Wish it were sassier.
1: (laughs) Um I didn't have anything else. I just wanted to talk about Uprising.
0: Yeah. Oh, I loved I am still heartbroken over Uprising being shut down. Like I know in my heart of hearts that like like the gaming world wouldn't have found it like too much of a an impressive game. You had to grind a lot. But I really loved the story. And that grinding was worth it if I got more more story. And I really wanted to see what the complete like narrative was. There was also there were two characters that um appeared. their their story is later told in another Star Wars book, but another Night Sister shows up and she's buddies with this Wookie. Um and there are just so many like little threads from that game that like could easily become big stories in the star wars universe and yeah i miss it very much <laughs> i don't miss yeah. Huda, though.
1: <laughs> you don't miss what
0: <laughs> i don't miss what is it is it HUDA or nar HUDA in uprising Nalhuda?
1: uh i think so because yeah. i just remember because yeah since it was in the Noite system you started on burning con you did hoth you did bespin and there was that one. It was like a smog planet where everything was kind of yucky.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot what that one was. Yeah,
1: um, but I remember when they added Bespin. It was like the second wow. update. That was I big. thought, I, I thought for sure it was going to lead to like to tie in how Luke's saber uh, wound up in Rey's hands. You know?
0: Oh yeah, maybe that Which is.
1: The- which they are addressing it in the comics, but yeah, I thought that, that would be part of it, like, when you're down in the bowels.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I miss the Bestman levels.
1: Dang. Oh, it was beautiful.
0: <laughs> it was a really well-designed mobile game. Like, people don't talk about how impressive this game was because, because it was a grinder. Like, you know, um, you basically had to, like, your gameplay was re- was very repetitive, but, like, the storytelling in this game was so good and like it it's no surprise that like it is because Alexander freed who wrote uh shadow fall and, and the alphabet squadron also worked on this game. So
1: yeah. Yeah. And we only found that out recently. At least I did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, he said so on Twitter when I brought it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah I,
1: saw, I, I saw him respond to you and I'm like, Holy crap. I can't believe he did that. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, and it, he also did the first battlefront, uh, Twilight Company. which yes. that, that's a very underrated book. I liked it.
0: Yeah, it's a very good book. Yeah.
1: Um Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so the the story was pretty solid. And um like anytime they mentioned the, the Iron Curtain,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where um oh because the imperial boss in the Innoite sector was trying to like say, No, the Emperor is not dead, yeah, you know, they, they kinda like put a like a not a literal curtain, but just like an information block, so to keep the systems under control, and so you're trying to like go through the game and get allies. Yeah, it, yeah, it was repetitive, and I think the reviews said so, but it it was fun. And then you know there'd be weekends where you just kept storming uh, star destroyers to get equipment.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I miss but just that the,
1: game. yeah, me too. But just the fact. Yes, and they mentioned Burning Khan in uh, the Believer, and then the whole video of the Death Star in uh, in the Cobb Vanth flashback—that is straight out of the game.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, <laughs> that reminds me of the, the the I had this thought where it was like, like there's all this footage of the Death Star like blowing up. Like, who took it? Like, who stopped and was like, "Let me get this shot."
1: Yeah, that's true. Like the whole thing about there being a hollow net, right? Is, is so subtle. It's like, yeah, who's doing the filming?
0: Exactly. Who are the journalists on the hollow net? Like, who's programming this? Like, who's who are the executives that decide what goes on the hollow net and not? You know, who? How does the rating system work? Like, I need it, to it, know. Is it the internet? Is it cable TV? Is it something else? What is it?
1: Well, and that was um, one neat thing about. Queen's Shadow by uh, E.K. Johnston.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When Padme first becomes a senator, and there's uh, like all these uh, these smear campaigns on the holonet for. Her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they, they, we need more of that to like explain like how that works.
0: <laughs> Someone help me out! Like, <laughs> but yeah,
1: you just imagine right. like one of the mm-hmm. maybe one of the Mon Calamari cruises had their backup camera on, and, <laughs> and they just got the shot of it exploding.
0: Oh, this is going to look so cool. Hold on.
1: <laughs> Either that or it was the Freemakers.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, I, I would leave it up to them. They'd be, they'd get it.
1: <laughs> all right. So yes, I'm glad somebody else loved uprising and we could talk about it. Um, all right. So you mentioned it right at the beginning. Um, and let, let's get into this because this is something you and your friends started uh star wars representation matters is something i'm passionate about too uh just if you don't mind just talk about like how that started and like elaborate more on what its influence in mandalorian has meant to you
0: yeah um well i have been very lucky to work with all of the people who started star wars rep matters which includes my friend suara um Uh, Kate Sanchez, a couple other people. Um, And uh, for a a long time, like the campaign has passed. It's, you know, it's, it's basically, that's what it is. It's a campaign to, uh, to point out, not necessarily point out. Yeah. To point out, (laughs) Uh, to point out where Star Wars could, you know, do better in the, in the areas of like, you know, uh, equity and diversity and like who you hire behind and in front of the camera and how it affects the story and what kind of story you're trying to tell, especially a story like Star Wars, which is not only a story about hope, but also about revolution, uh, about, you know, conquering and beating fascism. Um, And you can't have the same white faces telling that narrative because that's, it's not, their experiences are not the same. As you know, more diverse, more broad experiences. Um, so th- that's that's kind of where the, the campaign came from. Is we saw, and uh, my friend saw something missing in Star Wars, and we love Star Wars so much that we started saying, like, hey, it'd be even better if this happened in Star Wars. And uh, over the course of like the past you know, decade, we've seen that uh, increasingly. Um, writers' rooms are opening up to more diverse writers. Uh, the director's chair is now open to women and people of color, which you know never happened before in Star Wars. Um, and and it became less of an excuse over the years when it wasn't just oh Star Wars is made by George Lucas. It's you know now Star Wars is made by hundreds of people you know <laughs> like we we have a story group we have the animation uh branch of star wars we have people writing star wars games individuals writing star wars novels all this media is an opportunity for different voices to become part of this amazing saga and this legacy that we all love so much that inspires us so much um so that's where that came from And it's been really I mean, I hate to say it a third time, but the proof is in the pudding. Look at how great the Mandalorian is, because not only did we have Dave Filoni, who loves Star Wars, who we know does Star Wars great on it. But we also had all these other voices that have never like had the platform to tell a Star Wars story. And we've had all these different faces like it means so much to me that the lead of a Star Wars show is a Chilean man who, uh, who had to immigrate from Chile to America, who had to escape uh, an oppressive regime at that time um, and build a new life here. It it plays so much into Mando's story even um, and makes the character a more interesting person because the actor playing him has had like integral experiences of abandonment and running away and, you know, on different levels, obviously. Um, But yeah, like, I I think throughout the season, we saw how strong voices uh, from, you know, different mouths could change Star Wars in this radical and beautiful way. And so, yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, go out on a limb and say, like, oh, this is because of our, our little campaign. But I think that, Fans and creators, like people inside Lucasfilm and outside Lucasfilm saying, hey, I really want to open up the door to someone like Robert Rodriguez, you know, like being a John Favreau and saying, hey, I want Rick and I want Bryce and I want Deborah and I want all these people to come in and be able to tell some stories is, you know. That's that's how it's supposed to be. Like this is the way basically. We 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 open up Star Wars because it is this magical gigantic universe and we make it a place where all these different people can come and tell stories and it gets better. And we've seen that with the Mandalorian and, and what a smash hit it is as a show, like for everyone's critiques, we're still loving it. We still, we still like the Mandalorian is like a beloved thing now among Star Wars fans. And I, I, I do think it's because it's a series where we've, basically just been given more like you know we've been given more than one voice to tell this story we see it through one lens of course it's dins but we the the people who are formulating a story and creating the characters around him are also varied that like we get something really beautiful and timeless out of it and that's why representation matters in star wars
1: well said I don't, I don't know if I can add any more to that. Um, I, just, I think what you all did to start, that was great. Um, and I just need the
0: pictures. I'm just very happy okay. to be here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, just from my perspective as just a middle-aged white guy, I I just think it's important as my kids are watching Star Wars to see that like at, at least what you see on, on screen. Yeah, it is. It is everybody. It's men, women of all different colors, genders, sexual orientation, mm-hmm. abilities, uh, just that it, yeah, it shouldn't just cause when I, I'm growing up, you know, it's like just the white guys and the one girl and the black guy, you mm-hmm. um, know, you know, it's more than that. And I, I just want them to see that and to understand that all the friends they have of different, Backgrounds are, can can do Star Wars.
0: Yeah, Star Wars is for everyone.
1: It is. All right. So, yes, and thank you for talking about that because I think it is important.
0: Thank you. Yeah, so I I I love I love it when our galaxy gets a little bit bigger. You know. Yes.
1: And more to come with, you know, like some of the creators they've announced. We're, we're getting our we're getting our first woman directing a movie
0: yes i'm so excited i can't i can't wait you know deborah chow is coming back for obi-wan and like you know she didn't direct any season two episodes but if she did i bet you hers would probably be my favorite because her episodes are my favorites from season one so
1: they're they're outstanding
0: absolutely
1: obi-wan's in good hands with her
0: yeah absolutely
1: um but this has been a an awesome conversation uh so uh let's let's kind of wrap it up we've already really done our season three predictions so let, let's end it with so you know it's been announced mm-hmm. uh, that the, the spinoffs rangers of the new republic and ahsoka and then also Book of boba fett mm-hmm. are gonna go concurrently with mandalorian but also culminate in some big event mm-hmm. uh which they didn't give any more details than that. So, what is your thought on how those series will tie together in that event?
0: Huh. Well, this is a. It's the New Republic era, right? So, there's got to be something that ties all of these shows together. And I think it is either an object or a person. Um, we haven't been given. Outside of, like, you know, Star Wars Bloodline and a couple other novels, we haven't really been given a lot of, like, events that occurred in that era that were, like, you know, uh, altering to the galaxy in any way. Um, But that also means that there's plenty of room to, like, have those events because, you know, the galaxy is very large and, like, characters in the sequels clearly don't know exactly what happened in different parts of the galaxy throughout history because of propaganda and sheltering and all that. So, um, yeah, I I, honestly, I think if, if it all ties it together, there's going to be an occurrence or a person and I will go out on on a limb and say (laughs) Grogu who will have some kind of trouble or have some kind of thing that they have to overcome and all these like shows and teams and people will come back together. Cause what it seems like is that all these, these shows are like that are, especially the ones that are branching out from the Mandalorian are characters that have inter- interacted with Din and with the baby. Um, so, I mean, if anything, it'd be coming back to them. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's it. Or, or, um, the return of Mandalore which would kind of be big news.
1: Here's my guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Mandalorian series itself will wrap up the liberation of Mandalore and the reuni- reunification of the Mandalorian people, like mm-hmm. you know, the religious sex and the, uh, well, I don't, don't want to say r- the regular ones, but you know like bo <laughs> you know, Yeah. <laughs> Like the non kooky ones, that the atheist Mandalorians, <laughs> right? Um, and it won't okay. Look, it won't surprise me if Grogu becomes a Mandalorian and like r- brings everything full circle. For, you know, Tar Vizla was the first Mandalorian Jedi who created the dark saber. Mm-hmm. Now, what if you at the end you have another Jedi Mandalorian on the throne? Who mm. turns out to be, you know, a little, a little well, at that time, maybe like 55 year old. Huh. So, um, but I think, yeah, I think that will wrap up that part of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, we, yeah, you know, we don't know what Rangers of the new Republic is about. I'm hoping it's, it focuses on like Carson Teva and it, it, like what they're doing to protect the, the outer rim and all that. Mm. And Ahsoka, I mean that series has got to be about her search for Thrawn. So, even though it would be nice if it was if it was animated, mm-hmm. you know, a true animated sequel to Rebels, I wonder if the culminating event is the search for Ezra. Oh,
0: because
1: hmm. yeah, I know it's that that'll be its own bone of contention. But let's say it is. So you've got the Ahsoka show, her tracking down the whereabouts of Thrawn, which, Mm -hmm. and then Rangers, you know, you have like the new Republic helping out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, well, if, if the liberation of Mandalore is in season three, you've got to introduce Sabine. So we're going to, we get her in live action.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, and so she fulfills her duty to her people. So then they do a live-action version of the very ending of Rebels, mm-hmm. and the two X-wings that are escorting Ahsoka are Carson T <laughs> and Trevor <laughs> Wolf.
0: Ah,
1: and who—that's a big ship. Who's to say that Grogu and Din Djarin aren't on there with Ahsoka? Fair. <laughs> so, I mean, this is just total speculation, but I can see everything culminating together because you have these characters from these all these shows come together. Mm-hmm. To go off on the search, and it's like a two, uh, like a four episode or a two hour event.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: fair. And then you can get, um, you know, Pierce Brosnan or whoever <laughs> has Thrawn. <they're on> and...
0: <laughs> Just bring on Vanessa Mar- Marshall for funsies, you
1: know. Oh, yeah. You, you, yeah. Have Hera and Jason mm-hmm. and cool. Zeb.
0: Yeah. And Callis. Uh, Why not? Bring the whole family.
1: So, uh, unless they're saving the actual battle of Mandalore for that, for that event. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that they've opened Pandora's box with Ahsoka being a live action and mentioning Thrawn. So yeah, I think they're heading that direction,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that, that's just my guess.
0: That would be very exciting.
1: And, and then they can end the speculation. Like every time, like when, when uh, you know, Mercedes Renato was originally in the trailer and they're like, oh, it's Sabine. I'm like, she's not Asian. <laughs> you no, know, as long as you know, they can put some, that to rest.
0: And, like, exactly. You know, I you know, want your E&R car right. as Sabine. Live action. That's all I want. That's what I want in season three.
1: <laughs> I, I think we're getting it. That's my guess. Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> Well, before we wrap up, do you have anything else to add about Mando season two? Uh,
0: I loved it so much. And I will probably be watching it in full again uh, at least two times before the next season. Um, I I was very pleased with the season. And I think that like everyone, the problems that everyone has with its like narrative beats, which are are like, you know, folks thought there were. Maybe too many cameos or that like the formula of each episode was a little <clears throat> RPG like, but I, I feel like one, I love those. And two, I, I feel like they also had to happen for whatever they have planned for season three. So I am very pleased with season two and I'm happy that I got to watch it.
1: So am I. Uh it's one of those pinch me moments where I, I was like I can't believe we we just got this for real and it yeah, happened. <laughs>
0: so much Star Wars.
1: So thank you Disney for buying Lucasfilm and making it happen. <laughs> ah, well Katrina, thank you very much. This has been so much fun. Yes, Just talking Star Wars.
0: Thank you for having me. I've had so much fun. I in, I always enjoy talking about Star Wars if you didn't notice. So I, I've had a lovely time.
1: And hope to have you back sometime. And I hope we can meet in person at Celebration or something whenever things get back to semi-normal.
0: I will see you for sure. Yes, in the aftertimes, my friend. We will.
1: Uh, But before we go, uh, please tell everybody um, how to find you on social media and what you got going on right now.
0: Yes. uh, If you guys want to find me, you can do so by typing O-H-C-A-T-R-I-N-A, O-Katrina, into any social media platform um, or even the Internet, if you wish. Um, I have some upcoming projects next year. That I cannot talk about, (laughs) but I'm very excited to share them, probably in spring. Uh, Until then, follow me on social media and uh, check out all the information about the docu-series Looking for Leia, which I am very proud to have worked on.
1: Awesome. Yes. uh, I'm glad you mentioned that one. Everybody check that out. Um, But you can find... Me and the show at Radio Dakar, R A D I O D Q A R, on Instagram and Twitter. All the previous episodes, all my interviews, episode reviews, uh, etc., are on most major podcast platforms: uh, Anchor, Google, uh, Apple, Spotify, Overcast. Um, but again, thank you, Katrina, for being on the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until we meet again, may the force be with you
0: the force be with you